welcome back to the Thundersticks podcast. I'm your host, Ben Kreider, and today we are getting back into prospect evaluations. Last draft cycle on the pod, I had breakdowns for your top five consensus prospects. Each individual ones went through Cade, Jalen, Scotty, Evan, all that bunch, and we are back for season number two, going to be talking about some of the top prospects in this draft before we get to the podium on the 23rd. And we are starting out with Auburn forward Jabari Smith. So I'll be talking about his measurables, his play in college, the scouting report that I have on his offensive game, defensively how he stands up, his future outlook, and what the ceiling and floor might look like for him moving forward. And to top it all off, I have a very special offer from my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook, so you do not want to miss out on that. But getting right into the action with Jabari Smith. Consensus number one pick when you look at mock drafts, and I think it comes down to how the game has changed. When you look at the evolution of the game in the last, let's say, 10 years, the three-point line has been the center of attention. Teams are looking to cash in from the perimeter, finding shot-creating backcourt members, and to go along with them, they're looking to find three and D wings, or just floor spacers in general. That is what teams are trying to trade for. If they're making that playoff push, those are the puzzle pieces that teams are trying to either acquire off the draft, trade market, or in free agency. And Jabari Smith is regarded as a cream of the crop prospect when it comes to a floor spacing member in your front court. Because of that, you get the consideration, but also you see more in his game because he's not just this potential shooter But on the defensive end, he brings upside that is really uncanny for his position group in this draft class. And for him, he's no stranger to the big stage. You look at his father, he played in the NBA. His cousin, Kwame Brown, was the number one pick in 2001. So he'll be looking to continue the family lineage as the number one overall pick. And he brings a lot of upside that fits the bill, not just for the Magic, but what the NBA has been craving for the last 10 or so years. And basing off his collegiate stats, looked really solid as a freshman. He averaged 16.9 points, 7.4 rebounds, 2 assists, 1.1 steals, 1 block per game, 1.9 turnovers, 2.1 fouls, shot 42.9% in all, and 42% from the 3-point line. And the biggest thing with him when you're looking at his measurables is the sheer size this couples with his play of course but he's six foot ten with a seven foot one wingspan 220 pounds as well to go along with that that is a frame that fits perfectly at the four spot oftentimes you'll see teams shift players that are six eight maybe even six seven up to the power forward spot if they're able to go ahead and get you a bucket. One of the teams that I'll use as an example, now obviously they have two very talented players here, 
but I'll use the Celtics. They're playing Brown at the three, Tatum's playing at the four, and everything seems to go pretty part of the course in that aspect. Another one, recently, we just saw the Warriors throwing out lineups where Otto Porter is playing at the four spot. In Washington, you didn't see him playing at the four. That's just how things have changed. Smith, at 6'10", already fits what you want at the four spot, so it's not like you're playing him up a size, but with his scoring ability, he slips in as like that lethal front court option uh, that's going to give you an upper hand based on that one position. You look at comparisons in terms of this frame, you see some length comparisons with guys like Tatum and Michael Porter Jr. in recent classes. Now, the games differ a little bit. I guess you can make the case for that, obviously. But Smith, in terms of the height and the wingspan, stacks up well. And Smith has a higher wingspan than Tatum. Tatum has a 6'11 wingspan. Michael Porter Jr. has a 7-foot wingspan. But those are two guys that you look at and you can kind of draw some similarities just based on the overall archetype of a shot maker with defensive versatility. And because of that, they can be very dangerous playing at that four spot in a lineup. But going into Jabari Smith and his strengths, the biggest one obviously comes from shooting the basketball. This is no secret. Jabari Smith is a special sharpshooter in this draft class. Straight gunslinger, I I guess you could call it. And when you're looking at that current trajectory, as I mentioned earlier in the pod, teams have placed an absurd amount of value in putting their backcourt members next to efficient catch-and-shoot options. Smith, I think, is the best frontcourt shooter in this draft class, but you can go back a couple more draft cycles, and I think he stacks up as the better option you found in quite some time because at six foot ten, he's not your traditional player from beyond the arc. He has an extremely quick trigger release, fires off more like a guard, but when you look at his point of release, it's starting above the head basically. And when he gets the shot off, it's going to be extremely hard to contest it. He was able to establish himself with this jump shot at Auburn this season. And he was one of the best marksmen in D1 basketball, shooting 43.6% of his shots from downtown. That's 5.5 attempts per game from three. And he was hitting 42% of them. So he was shooting often, but the success rate was pretty elite at his level. Now, when you look at the biggest strength carrying over, it's the shot. It's going to be how he could play off the ball as a catch-and-shoot player. And this is right away. Per synergy, he ranked 85th in percentile coming off the catch, and it's hard to impact him off of those closeouts. Because of that shot, because of the point of release, he has so many extra inches up on opponents. Unless you are tight as a blanket on him, it's just not going to work. And that's why you see so many people high on Jabari as a prospect. If you pair him with a high-level playmaker, let's use, for example, the Oklahoma City Thunder, pair him with guys in SGA and Josh Giddy. They're able to create their own offense off of a high ball screen. If you see a player collapse inside to help in the paint, if Smith is out there on the corner, you hit it to Smith, and he's going to be able to hit a shot from that corner at a very high clip. 
Now, when you look at his overall stats at Auburn, he really didn't shoot that many corner three-pointers. He liked to shoot more at the wings, but the case still stands. If you're able to find him off the drive and he's open, he's going to be one of the more productive players in this draft class and probably in the league point blank. Another factor I think that really hardens his case is he's not just shooting right behind the three-point line. He's able to take it a couple feet backwards as well. We're talking NBA range threes, and he's able to bury them. This is shots coming off the catch, coming off transition, where he just assesses the defense, sees the opening, and he just strikes right at it. If you are evaluating Smith, and you are seeing these you know, flashes of perimeter excellence, you're going to be checking a lot of boxes in terms of what you would want in a, a 16 you know, win type of team, or you're looking to go for the finals, you want to have players such as Smith where they're confident in shooting three balls from deep, and they're going to force a defender to kind of play up on you Uh, And that's going to help out significantly your guard play when it comes to how they're able to penetrate and and overall just attack on the offensive side of things. With Smith, it's not just the one-trick pony in terms of the catch-and-shoot. He's able to take you off the bounce. Now, is he an elite shot creator? Is he sizing you up with dribble combos? Not at this moment, But he has hallmarked a few different parts of his game that I think he can build off of in the next level and start to make himself a lot more lethal in this range because he's already proven that he's able to shoot the basketball. But when he starts working into the mid-range and he starts creating his own shots, that's when you look at him as a a three-level threat. And it starts with his dribble pull-up. It comes off of two dribbles. Two dribble pull up. That's what uh, we'll call it off of. And he gets it, pulls up, pops, plants right, plants left, and it causes big time issues because defenders just simply were not able to contest it. They could know that Smith was going to take that shot, but they just had to hope that he missed it because it's very difficult to alter it. The shot goes up so quickly. It's not like a a chest type of release where it begins, you know, super low where there's a hitch in it. No, this is one fluid motion and it's going vertical basically the entire time. So unless you're skying up, it's going to be hard to reject the basketball and it's going to be hard to contest it unless you are ready for the shot. So he made his money's worth coming off those two dribbles and sticking it off the mid range. And this is the staple that could really help you know, churn some production out of him in terms of putting the ball in his hands, letting him loose in on-ball situations. He's not dribbling it for you at 10 seconds at a time right now, but just those two dribbles is all it takes. And in the NBA right now, if you're able to have one of those big-time shot creators that are able to put it on the deck just for a brief moment, soar up and get you a bucket... You are in good hands, and that's someone that you are going to have as one of your top options moving forward. So that's one thing you look at in just the overall mid-range game. I will say that the mid-range isn't like the end-all, be-all when he puts the basketball on the floor. He's also able to create off-of-setting screens for the mid-range attempts. 
Could you see him break out as a pick and pop threat? I think it's definitely in the cards just based off of his position and how the league is shifting. I think you would want to throw him in some high low. You would want to try to put him up top and you want to drag the offense around. It's going to be extremely difficult to play drop coverage on Smith. Dare I say it, it'd be pretty silly right now to do that. So if you're setting a screen and there's a switch, it's a big time plus for your offense. So that's one area where he's also going to be able able to improve in the mid-range or from the three uh, just by you know freeing up some of his teammates. When you look at other areas, I'd say in isolation, he has a between-the-legs move that we've seen uncorked a couple of times, but there's no, like, hallmarked shot. I mentioned the two-dribble pull-up as the big one for him right now. He's shown some fades, actually, too, at the baseline. He didn't shoot a ton of them, but that's there. In isolation, there's not that one move, though, that's going to free him up. Based on his overall frame and what we've seen when he goes from point A to point B, kind of as a straight line slasher, there's potential. But as of now, the isolation game is something that is not fully refined yet going into the next level. But regardless, he's been a really hard puzzle to defend, even without being the guy who's going downhill every time and trying to create uh, going off of penetrations, working from three and off those twos has paved the way for him to be in his current draft position. Another big thing for Smith, it's great to be a sharpshooter, but you need to be able to contribute at the other end of the field. Defensive versatility is one of the other lucrative things that teams are looking to fill out. And he has shown these signs to be a good multi-positional defender. I think what you look for in a multi-positional defender, there's a couple things. And I'll say that solid length has to be one of them. When you're looking at a guard, for example, if they're 6'4", 6'5", and they have a 6'10 wingspan, you are going to be looking at them pretty hard as someone that could be able to defend the 2 or the 3. That's sort of your wing defender. When you look at the power forward and center positions, that also helps when you're maybe a 7-footer with a 7-4, 7-5 wingspan. Helps in Smith's case as well. He has 3 inches added from his height to the wingspan with the 7-1 wingspan, 6-foot-10 frame standing, and he has really good lateral speed. I think in terms of motor, it's pretty high up there. And just in general, the activity points towards him being a two-way threat. If you want to have someone switch constantly, they need to be able to move around the court freely, plain and simple. Smith is one of those guys that is willing to take on those challenges. He's willing to shuffle his feet, take a backcourt defender in stints. So that's why you kind of see the positives there in his game. And when you look at the overall positions, is he a positionless defender? Like he's going to guard one through five right now. I don't think so. I think right now you can confidently say he can guard the two through four. And even at the five, he's up to the test. Like in terms of body, he could be a bit bigger, of course, but he's still done a good job in terms of staying physical on those bigs. I think two through four is what you're kind of picking up on right now. And three positions, 
that's going to be helpful in terms of rotation making. And when you are in those positions later down the line, he's going to make it a lot easier to, you know, place around a, a supporting cast, if you will. With him, he's able to stay around and stay right with his defenders. He's cutting off potential avenues to the basket and he's absorbing contact when opponents are looking to engage around the basket. He's still fairly disciplined though when you look at it. He averaged just 2.1 fouls per game in a 28.8 minute stint. I'd say that's fairly good numbers for him and this is with him playing both at the perimeter and interior in terms of defense. And Defensively, I'd say his capabilities went beyond just the three positions because he's so pesky when nearby a a ball handler. I like the reflexes with him. Seeing the opportunity to poke a ball loose, he's going to go for it. Once he jars the ball loose, you better believe he's looking to dive on the basketball and dish it out uh, to one of his teammates and in the half-court setting as well. You see him willing to take those challenges and uh, kind of create some havoc to turn the possession the other way. In stance, I'm a big fan of Smith. He keeps a very wide stance at the perimeter, and he has a significant bend of the knees. He's not giving up coverage, though. He still has his hands extended, and he has a wide net he's able to guard at one time. He's keeping tabs of his defender, and he doesn't cross his feet too often where, you know, as a guard, if you see a big cross their feet, you know it's over. You're going to be able to create off a step back, changing direction. That's kind of the first uh, big green light that you'll find. Smith doesn't do that. He does a great job uh, using his hips to turn direction, so he's not completely committing to a chase on these guards, uh, but, you know, he's able to recover, and with that length, he's able to mitigate, you know, the speed that would be given up had he decided to cross his feet in those strides. In pick-and-roll defense, he's very good. And this is still playing right into what you want. If you make that checklist of what the front court members would like, this is definitely one of them. And the prevalence of screens has just gone up and up and up. And you need to find somebody who can minimize that. You need someone who can, um, you know, make you not a defensive liability in general. Because if you have one part of your front court that struggles against screens that are flat-footed, it's a ripple effect where they're just going to keep going at you and they're going to abuse you to create open shots. There's no two ways about it. And you need someone like Smith, who is very sound in practically all coverages right now, uh, to attack those screens. And he doesn't shy away from switching, even off of like a DHO. And he's confident to defend just about anybody on the floor. This is when you go back to the motor. This is when you go back to, you know, him trying to be aggressive against some of these other defenders. And when he decides to drop, he does a good job moving on to guards, but he's also a viable option to get right back on his man because he does possess some agility. Another thing for him, when you look at his offensive game in the half court, you don't see him as much of a finisher unless He's kind of fed the basketball, but I love his transition game. Great playmaker when it comes to getting the ball and looking to go coast to coast. Recorded 7.4 rebounds this season, and he would fly in for the rebounds, and immediately he would look to go the other direction. If he saw an outlet pass, he was going to kick it out and try to kickstart that transition, 
but he can also get into his own fast break theatrics, if you will. He has good handles there, and I think in the fast break, that's where you start to see him look at some of those maybe more rudimentary, rudimentary, excuse me, dribble moves, but that could really blossom into something. The big one that you'll see in the fast break is his moving behind the back. Because he's fast in his frame, just that one dribble move can completely shift the defense. If you have their hips going one way, he's going to go the other with that behind the back move, and he's able to blow by you with his long strides. And off of his finishing ability, he's able to create some buckets off of that. Another thing that helps is he's still looking to dish the basketball out when he is going downhill. So you look at that as a plus. Another is his stop and pop threes. I talked about the limitless range, how it could come in many different aspects. One of them is in transition where he has the ball in his hands. If you're not going to play up on him, that's where he's going to pop it. Early in the shot clock, it's still a pretty good look for him though, and you'll live with the results. One enamoring part of his game, sort of like the pick and pop potential, is how he could do as a trailer. And I think he would do just amazing this is not a a reach like if you're a good catch and shoot guy trailing and popping off of that is virtually the same thing more reps at the nba level i believe would be expected with him but if he's hiding if he doesn't get the initial rebound and just slithers in as the last man across the timeline if you're on the same page with your point guard he's able to dial up a kick out to you maybe you're kind of using him as a shield almost as the trailer Because he has such a quick release, he can do some damage in that area. So he's the all-around off-ball package when you're looking at someone who can play from beyond the arc. And even working inside, there are some sneaky hops with him. Doesn't generate his own path to the basket for the most part, but when he does have the option, whether it's off a hard closeout or just multiple kickouts, He's going to slash inside, and he can do some damage. He had arguably the best dunk in March Madness this year in the first round against Jacksonville State. Soared up, posterizer, I think it was an and one, and everybody was just off their seats because there was some crazy elevation. Basically hit the pause button midair, cocked it back, and then threw it down with the one hand. Um, But there's some beauty to it, and I think with a ball-dominant guard, There's room for him to make an impact around the basket. In terms of dexterity, he's not that great driving with his left hand right now. Off the right, I'm pretty confident in what he's able to do. Um, But if you put him at the right wing, I think that's where you're going to be able to get a lot of all-around play from him because since he's good playing off his right side, He's either going to get a good look off the catch or he gets the ball at the right um, right wing and he can try to generate a bucket by slashing inside and obviously going up with his primary hand in the right. So I think that's somewhere he could make some sound waves. In general, though, the big pluses are what you'll find from him as a shooter and the defensive ability that you just do not find in many prospects at his position and I want to go into some of his more weak points in one second here but first I want to let you guys know about a very special offer going on with my good friends over at DraftKings Sportsbook. 
Are you ready for the NBA champs to be crowned? Join the finals action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. New customers can make any $5 NBA bet and get $150 in free bets instantly. Looking to turn another small bet into a big payday during the NBA Finals? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. You can create your own parlay by combining multiple bets, like which team will win, total threes made, total rebounds, and more, and boom, you have a shot at an even bigger payout. Here's what you have to do for the offer. Go ahead and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN. Make any $5 bet during the NBA Finals and get $150 in free bets instantly. That's promo code TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. An official sports betting partner of the NBA. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Going into Smith's improvement areas though, the big one that you'll see is the on-ball creation. And this is the swing factor that opens up so many different avenues as I'm going to discuss in his potential improvements because he's what you want as the off-ball player. But there's more that you could find with him. He's already shown that. And how he puts the ball on the deck, takes two steps, and is able to sky up in the mid-range. If you make him a player that can size you up at the top of the key, blow by you, and score, then simply put, he's a three-level threat. But he has to start as the on-ball creator. The handle's a little bit rocky with him, and he has a bit of a loose dribble set, which can force him to pick the ball up and kind of cough up the basketball just in general. And his speed with the ball isn't at a great level either. I think this size does help mitigate this a little bit because he does get good angles when he looks to attack the basket. I think the issue really is that there is no go-to move that Smith is able to lean on. I, I talked about the behind-the-back move he has in transition. That's a really good move to build off of. But you need multiple moves that kind of can get you into succession, not just one move and then see where it goes from there. Smith was not the type that liked to isolate to the basket, and he's not one that took a lot of shots down in the paint. He shot just 12% of his shots around the basket this year, and it really shows that he wasn't really, you know, forced to push the boundaries on that side of his game. And from a coaching standpoint, that's fine. Like he was dominant in his current role. You do want to see him expand and, and kind of test those borders, though, on how he can play playing right around the basket. And on the shots that Smith created, he had a tendency to kind of create low percentage looks on really tight defenses or just kind of get caught midair with no clear decision in mind. So he'd slash the cup and you'd see that everybody would close out and then he'd soar up freeze and that's when you start to see him cough up the basketball just a little bit so in ISO that is the uh the big area that you're kind of looking at in terms of how he's going to play another thing is just the playmaking skill set in general I think that he improved 
uh, as a freshman in terms of how he was playmaking, but there still are a couple bumps. He puts a lot of faith into high-degree difficulty shots, and this is not great, right? Like, there'd be times that he's taking shots when he's doubled, or there's someone that's open, and it's up and down with him because sometimes you'll see him hovering at the top of the key. He'll see someone in the post and he immediately recognizes it. And he, he's a great scanner in terms of the half court offense. And in fast break, I already talked about it. He does a, a, a solid job there, but it's almost like the Kuminga effect from last season in his ignite stint where he'd get the basketball. And because he's not sizing you up with a ton of dribble moves, he's looking a straight line drive. And if he gets cut off, he gets frazzled a little bit and he gets to kind of the tunnel vision that you just don't want to see with Jabari. He did show a little bit of tunnel vision where he'd take the steps in on the mid range. He gets stuck. The ball would get picked up. And instead of just waiting for options to get to him as a passing option, he just immediately go into his jump shot. It's not a high quality look and off those heavy contests, you're not going to get the best potential results on that possession and some of those times they were late in the shot clock so you get a pass but when there's 10 plus seconds on the clock you do not want to see him pick up his dribble and immediately just chuck up a shot you know you need to look for some potential areas that he is able to kind of kick things out to so he has this skill set right now in terms of top of the key uh, scanning but yeah, when he does get coughed up, that's when you do see shots that you just don't want put up. Truthfully, I think this will get fixed at the next level. This isn't a a major, major minus for Smith's game. I think that by the end of it, he will be kicking out in those spots, and you'll see him as you know an average passer at his position. Finishing, I mentioned it earlier. Dexterity is something that you do want to find more success at. And even though he didn't shoot a lot inside, he had good percentages. He shot shot around 65% in the paint. That's right around the average for the D1 level. But, But you want to make sure he's matured to where you're confident in his slashing ability from other, you know, either wing, if you will. And Just right now, I think he's still a solid slasher. When he gets contested around the basket, he does give up a little bit of verticality in efforts to absorb contact, and that's going to lead to more fouls being drawn, and that's an overall plus when you are looking at, you know, his game and where that can lead because not only inside but outside, teams are looking to bait fouls. They want to get to the charity stripe, and Smith, he's a pretty good shooter there. He shot 80% on about five free throw attempts per game so he had the volume and he had the success rate that you're looking for the target mark would be 80 it's 79.9 so we are going to round it up to 80 checks the boxes from three checks it from the foul line checks the box with his shot form that's very pretty there Um, but if he's able to really go up and at you and get the whistle blown that is something where you are going to be very happy with the end result there The big thing has to come off of just scoring off that left hand, though, and off the contact when he faces it. He didn't really have a preference on which wing he was playing off of. When you looked at the shot charts, he shot 89 jumpers at the left elbow and the wing compared to 82 jumpers at the right elbow and wing. 
So there's a bit more of a preference to be on the left side. And that came off the catch, off transition pull-ups, just the whole array. That's where you saw those jump shots go up. But that's the reason I say if you're looking to get the most out of him right now, putting him down at the right wing is going to cater a bit towards his slashing ability. Either side, he should be very productive, though, and and where you're going to place him in your offense. I think overall, he's exactly what teams have been yearning for at that forward spot. And postseason teams have been finding the success in kind of disregarding positions in general and looking for that overall size. As long as you're able to hit the three, stretch the floor, and play a couple positions off switches and you're able to step up on screens, you're going to be able to play when it comes down to the premier games in the playoffs. I think he's an ideal power forward that's going to pair up with the small forward. Boston's the example I used. I think that their uh, blueprint right now, you know, I think Brown and Tatum were both selected as small forwards. Jabari, I think this whole entire time has been viewed as a four, so it's a bit different. But Boston has yielded a ton of success in playing those two together, and they don't care that both were selected to play the three. You know, when you look at their frames, they probably should be playing at the three, but you're going to maximize your team by playing them both together. Other franchises that have done this, KD, seven-footer, you're playing him at the four spot now. He's not playing at the three um, where, you know, you might be, Uh, giving up another spot I know in OKC honestly it it didn't work that way because he had Serge Ibaka and then Steven Adams filling out the four and the five spot but moving that and moving him to the four does give you some benefits another team that you could see this with is a team like the New Orleans Pelicans with Brandon Ingram or in Denver when Michael Porter Jr. returns from injury if you want to play him at the four spot that also does make some sense in order to maximize not just how you stretch the floor but how you're able to play off of each other in those settings. So Smith is basically like a Lego piece that's going to fit anywhere. And that's beautiful. It's not just with a three that he's going to connect with. If you have a threatening backcourt already, he's going to amplify that. But with the potential, he also has room to create off the deck. And, And that's why I think everybody is so high on him in terms of a prospect and it, it starts with the shooting ability it's just hard to find with somebody at his size and the speed he brings with the shot the overall point of release just makes him a very hard player to stop from downtown and he's mastered the catch and shoot at this point he's able to hit it from range and with his two different shots the two dribble pull up and even that fadeaway at the baseline those are two incredibly difficult shots to shoot in terms of contesting, if he masters it, you kind of have to live and die by his result just because that is a very high degree of difficulty to get off and have a high success on. Um, but, you know, if Smith is comfortable taking those shots, it's dangerous. And teams are going to have to probably be tearing their hair out and defending shots like that from him. The on-ball play needs the touch-ups. He lacks that go-to move to really create from distance. I think, ideally, you want to see the step back in his arsenal, and he has shown it to his credit. Is it one that creates a ton of room? Not necessarily. Um, It's more of like a a sidestep almost. Like It's not breaking a ton of distance, 
Luckily, that shot I keep coming back to gets off fast, but if he's able to go off that step back and he's able to master that, that's going to be perfect in how he's able to create against other opponents. Another thing is just coming off the bounce. You need that marquee drill move to amplify it. That's going to help at all levels. I think the biggest one, though, is unlocking the interior because he is good when it comes to attacking the basket. He's able to play above the rim and finish. But the caveat is a lot of times he does need the lane already to operate, and he needs to play in space. If he's able to create that space for himself, that's where you start to see a lot of danger and you see some deer in the headlights when he's facing some other power forwards at the next level. Overall, the frame fits the bill for what the NBA wants. Lateral quickness and the length gives him the defensive versatility and upside that puts him in such a high draft stock. And with that high motor, with the active hands, you would think that he would not be terrible defending the post instance. But 2-4 through four defender right now who's mastered that jumper, Tons of potential in other areas. And because of that, really the floor here is a high-caliber starter. Regardless, he's a high-level contributor that championship teams are going to want. 3 and D4 is where I would have him pegged. And he's one of the safer options at the top of the board, just based on where the league is now and what he's able to bring. He's not this guy pegged with question mark after question mark, where... There's five different things that need to hit for him to be that star. There are things that he needs to hit to become the star, obviously, but just mastering his craft and what he's already dominated at is going to be enough for him to be very productive for a good amount of time here. He's going to be an elite catch-and-shoot player, given his skill position, and with the ability to play in space off his pull-up, I think that's you know where he will really hone in. And defensively, he's able to force a defender to kind of latch on to him. And and, uh, this is on the offense, excuse me, but you're not going to see players sagging off on Jabari Smith. Even if it's an off night for him, you want to be able to play close because he is still going to be a threat. And if he gets it going from three, it could still be a long night for you. Peskiness on the glass, I mentioned briefly the rebounding, but he's he's skying in for some of these boards. It's going to make him valuable under the basket. That helps really on both sides. And in those playoff battles, that's going to keep him on the floor. Defensively, I don't think there's much of a risk factor. It's more of what's the range of players he's able to defend. Three and four, he's good. The two, something you slap on, I think he should be able to, to defend there. The one is not a certainty. Um, He's a good perimeter defender. And I think off this switch, you're going to be okay with him taking on those guards and stints. Center position. If it's one of those back-to-basket bullies, it could be a different story. But on your traditional center and the small ball fives, I think he should be pretty fine in that area. He just has the size and the strength to really cement him as one of those multi-positional guys that you're really looking uh, for in a two-way player. As for the ceiling, I think it is going to be an all-star player who might even fetch all-NBA consideration. 
I think the um, you know the <laughs> ceiling is going to be the direct result of the landing spot almost. And that's how it works with a lot of prospects. I think that players drafted in the lottery get placed in spots where they're only playing 15 minutes a game and they're kind of in limbo where they're obviously too good to be playing in the G League level. Um, but the team up top doesn't have room for them in the rotation because they're looking to make the plan or they're looking to make a push. I guess you could use Book Knight as an example of one of those guys that just didn't get to play a lot. Maybe Noah Vonley from drafts before where they're playing like 15 minutes or, or whatever. Um, Jabari Smith clearly won't be that. He's going to be playing 25, 30 minutes a game. But it's the supporting pieces that you really want to master on. And it's the franchise, if they're willing to kind of give him the keys and they're willing to allow him to kind of have some bumps in the road as a scorer and in particular playing as an on-ball threat. Because that is the big, big area where if you're able to tap into it, you start to see him shoot up in terms of his stat lines from a game-to-game basis. You want to have him with that system, and you want to have him with players that are already going to be very good in terms of dribble drives. And the good thing is, for Smith, the top of this board looks pretty good in terms of the guard play. I would say the Thunder might be a little bit better in terms of destination because SGA has already shown to be one of the better guys on attacking OKC notably has been one of the worst catch-and-shoot teams since they began their rebuild, and really just in general, but it's really picked up now. They were the second-worst catch-and-shoot team in history whenever tracking began. I think that was in the 2013-14 season. I might be off a year or two, but they were the worst, and or second-worst, and the team that was the absolute worst was a Pistons team led by Josh Smith. This was when the three ball was nowhere near where it was right now. And they were about 0.2% off from going below the Pistons and just being the worst all time in tracking analytics. Having him next to SGA, next to Josh Giddy, who are both very good at finding players in the half court would just make him excellent. And I think just given, you know, Presti and, and where the team is going they're looking to test their rookies still. I don't believe that they are putting all the chips on deck after hitting the lottery once. I think they want to try to solidify key pieces before they really ramp up into playoff contention. And because of that, Smith is someone that I think would play on the ball, um, maybe even quite often to close the season with this Thunder group. At the top of the board, the Magic... They've shown links to Jabari, kind of been seen as the clear-cut number one option. We'll see if it was a smokescreen or not come draft night, but they still have some pretty good players to build off of. Jalen Suggs, he was dealing with you know injuries, and he didn't you know live up to the top five pick status this season. You do have to give him credit as a playmaker. He's one of the better ones coming out of last year's draft class. In addition, Markel Fultz is coming back from his injury. He was known as one of the best playmakers coming out of his draft class. And it kind of continues. Like They have a long list of young backcourt members that should be able to help out. In terms of the pick and roll, the Thunder, I think, are the better spot. But I don't think either is necessarily bad. It just comes down to giving him 
you know, the, the wiggle room. And if you're the number one pick, I'm sure the team would be able to compromise and they would be on that set development plan to help you expand really in all areas of your game. If he's able to shore up though, and he's able to drive inside, he's able to create off the deck. That is a scary, scary player. Hitting the three-point shot off the catch is big. Defensively, he's already good for you. But if you're saying, hey, give me a bucket, and he's able to do it in the half court, that's where he's dangerous, and that's where he's able to swing a good amount of games. So that's where you tap into the high-level scoring outputs, the all-star ballots, and ultimately hitting this ceiling where he would be that NBA all-star. Now, when I evaluate him, you know, I think I look at him as someone who's going to be dangerous moving forward. You know, if if you're looking for a star, Jabari Smith has that in him in terms of potential, but if he doesn't live up to it, you're still going to be happy. Like, you don't rule him as a mega bust. He's going to be a productive four for your lineup, and at worst, he'll still be that start, starting caliber or a high-level minute guy when you get into those big-time games later in his career. I see him as you know a perennial guy that's hanging around the all-star ballot, whether he's in the all-star um, you know, selection or he's right on the cusp. I think that's where he hovers. He's going to be one of the better guys at that four position where he's just going to be able to uh, play high-level basketball off that shot, and defensively it holds up too. One area that wasn't mentioned a ton in his evaluation, kind of because it's not an overbearing strength or an overbearing weakness, is that rebounding. I think that is something that's going to continue to be a very big plus for him, and he should still be hanging around that seven-rebound, eight-rebound game um, and it's going to couple with the scoring ability that he's already shown off the catch and, you know, off of some of his creation skills. So this is a really, a really good pick and Jabari Smith is going to help you out for a pretty long time at his spot. So uncanny work off the catch, defensive upside should be that productive co-star that you're hoping to find moving forward when you're looking at a team like the thunder i know i went into it already but he fits like a glove the major issues for okc comes from the three spot there's questions in the air on how they're going to fill out the three four and five they don't really have a five right now jabari is not playing the five for you of course but he gives you the fix at one of your big positions at the four Baisley and Poku have been far too inconsistent from the three-point line to this point. The team in general has been far too inconsistent from the three-point line. He helps kind of shift the narrative, and he gives you uh, that big-time option that you're able to really lean off of. So that's why I like him and his fit with the roster. If he's available at two, you give him a hard look. I think there really are four different guys that could be in the top three here. It's not just Chet. Um... Jabari, Paulo, Jay Nivey has to given be given some looks too as just an all-out monster. But that's my take on Jabari Smith. I'll have more content on the way when it comes to scouting or evaluations. If there's anything I missed on his game or any pointers you want to give me 
on some of the upcoming prospects or just prospects you want me to talk about as we near closer and closer to draft night, make sure to let me know. You guys can find me at my Twitter, at Ben Kreider, or you can go to the pod page. That's at ThunderSticksPod. Also, you can check me out on si.com slash thunder. I'm doing daily written content on the Oklahoma City Thunder. And as of right now, a lot of it is surrounding draft prospects. Really appreciate you guys listening to this scouting report, though. And I will talk to you all next time. See ya.